This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. And we are going to have a conversation. You want to talk, a few weeks ago we were talking about willpower and our personal ability to control events in the world around us. Poo-poo. And we spent some time discussing that. And this time you want to talk about the will of God. The will of God. That sounds so bold. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how how much it affects people's lives and directs people li- people's lives and not always i think in the best way and and i want to make sure i say respectfully um sometimes i think that understanding might be a bit misleading and not the most progressive and helpful thing uh in the way it's traditionally understood so i thought we might talk about that okay so you get we're going to start with the traditional the will of God. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scripture that, um, you know how people, there's those known scriptures, you know, like 23rd Psalm and so forth. So uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of those scriptures that people will just put out there. And, you know, so I'm going to read it if that's okay. And I'm sure you're going to start by citing which version of the Bible it's coming from. Yes, I am. Of course yes. you are, because you do, you do that. <laughs> this is this is not the King James version. This is the um, oh, I'm, I'm look CEB, Common English Bible. I get the you know I know the letters and I know what one to go to and I forget what the letters mean. Okay, and I was so about to is, look it up, but I figured I'd just let it come to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's here it easier. Is. <laughs> <laughs> just, okay, the Common English Bible, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have in my mind for you. declares the Lord. They are plans of peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. Now, in the King James Version, it's a little bit, tiny bit different. At the end, it says to bring you to an expected end. So in that, you know, the interpretation of that is that we come here and God has a will for our lives. And, you know, it's kind of like predestination is in there a little bit. And this is the way you go. And there is an expected end. So I think that clearly kind of says um, uh, uh, predestination is working here. And with that, uh, what is what is distressing to me? Now, first of all, I think it's poetically, you know, the Bible, the King James Bible or the, the Christian Bible is beautiful poetry for, for sure. Um, of course, full of wisdom and, and all of that. 
But this by itself, like when you say that there's a will of God for your life, and then you you meet people that are well past, you know, in decades, it's, I haven't found God's will for my life yet. I don't know. I don't know what that is. You know, like, how do you find that? How do you find confidence in the next day? Um, it does promote a bit of laziness sometimes. Um, I hope that the, the, the listeners do understand I'm really being respectful, but I'm just saying that. And uh, an expected end means that there is a prescribed end. So that takes a little bit of the dream work out of it. <laughs> it takes the free will out of it. But yet this is a much quoted verse, much, much quoted verse. So I'm going to turn that, I'm going to kick that ball to you. All right. Well, and actually we're going to dribble it back and forth just a little bit because this is going to be one of those things where I'm going to draw you into the discussion about what this means, because I can't tell you what the common English Bible or the King James Bible meant by something that was from the Old Testament, which means it's maybe three, four, five thousand years old, originally probably Hebrew, maybe Aramaic, maybe something different. So it's been translated a few times. So <clears throat> the part that's the most interesting for me to begin with, first of all, that was said in the context of the time that it was originally said or written. And it was said because it was uh, an oral tradition for a while until it got written down. So from the time that somebody originally said that until now, there has been some variation and change in understanding and nuance. And the part of the trajectory that I'm going to look at is the difference between the interpretation that came out in the King James Bible, an expected end, and the interpretation that came out in the Common English Bible, which is an experience of peace and harmony. Is that how that ended? Uh, yes, peace and not disaster to give you a future filled with hope. A future filled with hope and an expected end. Those were both translated from the same original text. Mm -hmm. So using the new thought perspective on that, I say, I saith unto thee, WTF. <laughs> how, how could that, the same thing, mean both of those things? It's interesting that someone asked me on my website uh, about a similar thing. And why don't we study the Hebrew Bible? And you may mention that both of these scriptures were translations from the Hebrew Bible. Uh, not necessarily so. So right there, you have some conflict because in, if it's a direct translation, you're still going to have it su subject to the interpreter's interpretation of it. And so, you know, we got some changing and some nuances there with the common English Bible and others that may have been translated by another translation in between King James and the rest. So you got a real, you know, thing here. Now, for me, it's no big thing because I'll just go to my meditation chair and I'll just ask Spirit to tell me what it is and tell I'm cool with it. what's going on. And what's going on. And so let's do that. I mean, not in your meditation chair because we won't all fit, but... <laughs> Uh, the, the, the same sort of thing. The, the reason that I, I start with the source material, and you've got two different examples from the same source material, is because when I start conjecturing and talking about new thought and what we believe, then it's easy for people to put their fingers in their ears and go, la, 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 because that's not what the Bible says. And 
if we can spend some time with what the Bible says and the different versions of what the Bible says, and if we can extrapolate from there to, all right, so both of the things that are in Jeremiah are true. They're both accurate. They're both correct. They're just different ways of expressing the same thing. If you take that trajectory out to what it might have originally actually meant, then we have an opportunity to not just explain how metaphysics works, but to understand how this is describing it. Absolutely. And and that was the question that was asked of me. Why don't we learn from the Hebrew Bible? Well, first of all, Hebrew, you got to get to pass that in seminary, in the mainline seminary. You got to pass Hebrew before you can go on to the next thing. If you don't pass Hebrew, you get a letter inviting you out. So. <laughs> <laughs> same, thing, same thing is true for people who go for a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. Okay, but. so we, okay, so, so right there, it's it's nervous, right? It's Hebrew is the semin the mainline seminarians nightmare for 90, 95% of us. But the language is absolutely beautiful. Now, let me say this really clearly. If what is written in the language by the, the Hebrew, you know, speaking people, their, and their meaning may have been entirely different then. You know, we're putting meaning on the translation, and what it means in our culture and in our time. But if you really dig back and go back, to the, the meeting is different a lot of times and actually more in line with new thought. And the very first time I saw that, you know, a few years ago, I was reading this, this Bible translation book and I thought, well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, they're giving, <laughs> they're giving a Hebrew uh, interpretation through that lens, that's pretty close to, you know, new thought and, whoa, Christianity doesn't like this. And I really started to see, and it, and it was interesting to me because, you know, I'm like reading, try, I'm a, whatever, you know, I, I believe what I believe, mm -hmm. but more than anything, you know, I think I'm a religious philosopher. I'm, I'm not telling you what I really, what's in here, but I love to talk about it all. And I think you, <laughs> but, you but you have to be open-minded. And so in this case, you have to be open-minded to know that when you are reading, even out of the Hebrew text, you have to understand that our um, mindset is different. They're approaching God in a very different way. Their, their image of God and their, you know, philosophy and thought about how God interacts in the, the lives of human beings is much different, you know? So that's one of my things about, hey, come on, stop being judgmental because you don't even know what the real meaning of this text was. You know, this is what you mean. So how you how will you sentence someone to hell for something that you don't really even know what it was really intended to mean? Now, that aside, um, nah, that's don't that's that not aside. aside. That's that's gonna <laughs> work. That's gonna work. That's gonna loop back around any minute now. All right, yeah. I'm I'm gonna start by prefacing um, the the approach that I'm going to have, which is talking about context, um, and not by talking about uh, Jeremiah 29. I'm going to talk about the Lord's Prayer, which is possibly one of the most well-known prayers in the world. Even people who don't follow Christianity know, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, a lot of people who don't follow can, can recite it along. It starts in the middle of a verse. The beginning of the verse is, After this manner, therefore pray. 
and then he does the Lord's Prayer. And it's the only place in the Bible where Jesus does an entire seven-step practical prayer. And he wasn't doing it because he wanted his daily bread. It was He was doing it because he said, this is how you should pray. Because throughout the rest of the Bible, Jesus prayed by saying, Lazarus, rise, and he did. So Jesus had his own technique for praying. <laughs> he wanted the people who weren't at his level to have to understand the technique that they could use. So after this manner, therefore, pray changes it from this is a prayer that you should say all the time to this is the formula for the prayer that you should be using. And that's the one that we use in practical prayer. And it shows up in a lot of other different religions as well. And then if you go back a few verses before that, he's telling you how to pray. It's like, don't be out on the streets and looking like you're praying and making a big show about it because people will see you praying. What you want to do is go into a quiet place, commune with the infinite, connect with that divine power that knows what you want before you ask, and then ask. Set those wheels in motion. And here's how you do it. Our Father who art in heaven. And so I'm suggesting that the context matters. And if we take a look, which we're going to do after the break, at what is in the Bible in Jeremiah 29 before 11, perhaps we will learn something different. Let's take a break. Is Reverend Bill letting you know that the Practical Prayer for Real Results class is now available on demand? That's right. You can take it at your own pace anytime you want. All of the information is at BeTheLight.com. That's B-The-Light.com. You know where to find that stuff. The class is five lessons broken down into 18 modules, and you can take them at whatever pace is comfortable for you. As you work through the process, it starts out with the theory, goes into the practice. There are experiential activities and exercises. And at the end of the program, you will wind up with an understanding of how practical prayer works and a practical prayer for yourself that will work to create transformation in your life. And as you know, it works for everything. Take a look at the class online at BeTheLight.com. There's a sample lesson so you can see how the class is going to work for you and then dive in. The great news is it's on sale now. You can register and save $20 off of the regular price. I'm looking forward to seeing you in class. back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. We are talking about the will of God, and we haven't even gotten to the new thought notion on the will of God yet. We're still talking about the will of God as it is in Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, and we've done a couple of different versions of it. And now um, with the warning that you got, you probably have the text of the Common English Bible nearby so that you can start reading it. I don't know, let's say verse four, unless you want me to. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. I'm looking at it, but you go ahead. So I'll set this up. What starts in the beginning is that the, this is a letter from Jeremiah uh, from Jerusalem to the few surviving elders amongst the exiles who have been taken to Babylon. Uh, and it says, The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase the number there so that you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its welfare. Okay, so the instructions there are take care of yourself, settle down, build a life. 
Then the Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims, Don't let the prophets and diviners in your midst mislead you. Don't pay attention to your dreams. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I didn't send them, declares the Lord. And then in number 10, the Lord proclaims, When Babylon's 70 years are up, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. So he's talking about in 70 years of exile, because you guys are going to be taking care of yourself, the time will come that you're going to be able to come back to Jerusalem. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. Now, is that a little different than the way it sounds when you start with verse 11? It is in the sense that <laughs> in, in the sense that this is a particular context and not necessarily a a principle to be that one verse, a principle to live your life by. It's in context with what God had done for those people and how they were to live and based on, you know, I'll bring you back to your land and so forth. So the Bible is filled, I mean, replete with those kinds of things that are, you know, they mean it within context. And I mean, you know, the other big thing is women's place in the church. Um, the, the problem that I have with it is that um, a, a refusal to think and to consider from an intellectual perspective and just say, okay, this is it, and I'm going to look at the whole of my life through the context, I mean, through the lens of this one scripture, which is really crazy because you don't, it doesn't apply. You know, it's, it's not only time sensitive, it's not reality based. So, yeah. All right. So now I, I, I forced you a little earlier to go from just verse 11 to what was the context leading up to that. And um, I, we also took a look at what changes in the interpretation over time when it goes from, I know what the plans are for you to, I know that there's peace and hope in your future. So the meaning that was originally there changes and also the, the context of the story changes. I'm going to do the same thing now while, to talk about the metaphysical the new thought, um, practical prayer orientation of all of this. And on the one hand, if what it says is true, that the Lord has plans for us, if that's ever true, that's always true. That's what this teaching of oneness is. If it's true anywhere, it's true everywhere. If it's true for anyone, it's true for everyone, and it's true for me. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But if you take that into the bigger picture, it's not that God knows what's going to happen for you and you got to and just like give up any thought that you have free will because it's going to be the will of God. What this story is saying to me is when we find ourselves in an experience of challenge and adversity and difficulty, instead of giving up and whining and blaming God, you know, to go ahead and cultivate our gardens and build our houses and raise our children and have grandbabies so that when the time comes, we are ready to take the good that's on its way to us. That's metaphysical. If we, if, <laughs> if somebody gives you this beautiful plot of land that's perfectly capable of growing a rich crop of wonderful, wonderful the fruits and vegetables and, you know, to be able to completely support you and your family in a large part of the neighborhood, and you just sit there bitching, <laughs> because it's just a bare piece of land and you don't want to be a farmer and you wish somebody would bring you a tomato. 
<laughs> if you don't take the steps that are available to take and just complain about the fact that the result isn't here now, then the result is going to be that you're going to be unhappy. That's, that's what happens for all of us. And if we follow these instructions and we cultivate the land and build our houses and have our families and do our work, do that which is ours to do, then all of the goodness that we could ever possibly desire is available to us and it's coming back to us on a schedule. Exactly. Okay. Now this one says 70 years. Did it take 70 years? Did it take 60 years? Did it take 72 years? Is there a scorecard? It doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> time is not for us. We don't understand time that much anyway. You know, we just put it like a, a thing. I think it's just there to guide us. But when I look closely at the CEB version and King James as well, it says that the plans of God are peace and not disaster. That's undefined. That's, that's general. So for me, um, if you tell me that my future is God's will is that I have peace and happiness and so and so and so and so, okay, that is to live the life that I've been given. And that will result in the peace that is promised or is there for me. But if I live the life that you're trying to put on me <laughs> and force me into, that, that is not peace. So I think, you know, it's looking at what, if you want to say the will of God is, the will of God is your happiness, your peace, right? Um, Florence Goebel Shen says, I demand to see the good in this right now. And David says that um, I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living while I'm still here. So I, I concentrate on that. I don't think that you know, for a while I was looking at what did God want me to do as I was approaching retirement and what should I do and what, you know, and I thought this is what you, you'll spend your whole life trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. If God promised me peace, I do what brings me peace. There you go. There you go. Because we're going to we're going to repeat the same technique that we used before of broadening out the context from this one little perspective on it to the bigger picture. And the bigger picture that we're going to do, going to go with is that the Lord has plans of peace, not disaster to give you a future filled with hope. And as I mentioned previously, in the belief system that we have in the New Thought teaching, if it's true anywhere, it's true everywhere. If it's true for anyone, it's true for everyone. So the entire universe in which we are existing that power that wants me to have peace and not disaster and a future filled with hope isn't just for me. Isn't just for the people in my family or my community or my political party or my religion or my country or even my planet. Everywhere, everything, everyone means billions of galaxies. Everything. So that desire for a future filled with hope, peace, not disaster, is on an infinite universal scale. The thought that that infinite creative power is micromanaging to the level of deciding, first of all, what's going to make us happy or unhappy, and then deciding what it is that we have to do to make us happy or unhappy, and then punishing us if we don't do it, is really arrogant. <laughs> the way that an infinite creative power that does all of that, that creates galaxies, that 
makes forests grow would do that is to set up the framework so that's the way things work. And if we go along and, as you said, find what brings you peace, do that, you'll have peace. It's not up to God to decide. If you want some insider guidance, if you have three or four different possibilities that are in front of you, you my goals, if you don't know whether to turn left or turn right, turn within and ask the divine to tell you which way to go, because that's the way it works. There's one mind that's every mind, that's all the minds. Everything that's known everywhere can be known anywhere. It can be known to each of us. So that's the process. That's the will of God is for us to understand and know ourselves and to be in this world and to have the life that we're having. That's it. That's it. And if we want to have, if we want to get into a fight or if we want to go to a boxing match and watch other people fight, we can do that. The will of God is not going to say thou shalt not have boxing matches. I mean, you know, it's, it's not that level of micromanaging. Everything is possible. So we get to be guided and we get to choose. Isn't that a lot easier than what it says in Jeremiah? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that's what it says in Jeremiah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so sure that I'm going to say it's easier because people have to undo a whole lot to, to rest. You know what I mean? To rest in that, that notion. You have to let go of the idea that something bad is going to happen and that Number one, I got to take up the reins of whatever here. Now, it's not to say, you know, in my control freak mentality <laughs> in those days, it was extraordinarily easy for me because I could just make the decision and make it happen in so many, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but this time, in, in this space, it's allowing myself to know what makes me feel good, what makes my heart sink. I wouldn't have asked those kinds of things before. You know, I would do what was necessary, what was required, and for myself and everything that has been brought into my area of responsibility, and it's work, and it's not pleasant always. But this way, it's finding, and it's it's amazing because you're saying you got to get over the guilt first of finding what makes me happy, and that's okay. And can I do this? Well, yeah. And is it going to be all right? Is it going to hurt anybody? No. Well, then why is it not okay? So you got to go through all of that. And, and that's a bit of a challenge, I think, because people aren't necessarily indoctrinated to, to think that way. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely true. We were talking earlier about why some people uh, who are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11 are so resistant to the idea that the will of God is, and the will that we have are the same, that, that my will be done instead of thy will be done. And the reason I believe that people find that terrifying is that when you take on this new thought belief that the will of God is for us to find our gifts and our peace and our longings and then pursue them and take those steps, if it doesn't work the way that we wanted it to, we don't have we don't have a leg to stand on anymore. We can't blame God and say, oh, well, God didn't want me to have it. I wanted to have a family, but God didn't want me to have a family. I wanted to have a relationship or this career or plenty of money, but God didn't want me to. So here I am, poor little victim, you know, and the reason that I don't have the success in my life is because God didn't, God said so. Oh. That to me is, um, is very real. 
And it's a cop-out. You know, if there's an infinite creative power that wants you to have a good time and you're not having a good time, then there's something different that, we, that you get to engage in. Like, oh, I've been doing all of these things to, to bring myself to an experience of peace and prosperity, and it hasn't worked. Okay, well, stop taking those same steps. Perhaps there's another step. Perhaps you need to start a step ahead, or you need to follow through a little bit more, or instead of being a waltz on three beats, it's a tango, or <laughs> foxtrot, and, and you, there's another beat. I mean, there are, there are so many different possibilities, but when we give up, blaming God. When we say it's my unhappiness is not the will of God, it's something that I am co-creating. It, first of all, is completely empowering. And second of all, can be completely terrifying. Yeah. And morphosis on the latter, you know, oh, yeah. completely terrifying. But, you know, it, it, to me, it's like, maybe you can't wait until it feels okay to do it. How long you been doing this? This is not working. How's that working out for you? You know, those questions that I ask. Yep. Uh, you know, what have I got to lose by looking at it another way? And I would rather do that. I'd rather take the shot and see what happens than to sit in this misery and then convincing myself that God's going along with it. I don't get it. I do get it because I know where it comes from, but... At some point, I'm wondering if it's not, you know, when you start thinking about, I don't get in trouble for this, but, you know, if you start going down that road, I think you could get sick because of the stress and disappointment and anxiety and all of that. And, and, and it has to apply it to every part of your life and everybody that you know. And that's, that's heavy. It is heavy. Uh, but to say... For example, quick example, um, I was talking to somebody and they were talking about, you know, the devil and da, 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 da. And I said, you know what? What would happen if we decided to try to know more about God than we do about the devil? Wonder what would happen with that. And they just looked at me and they said, you know what? That That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I preached my last sermon in a church in 2018. I will never forget that. It's like I can close my eyes and still be there. And I sat there and I felt like I was really talking to God because I know it was, or we were talking or whatever. I said, this is my last sermon in this kind of church, in, in the Christian church. So like this, this is my last time because I, I'm hearing so much about the devil here that I'm to, I'm having a struggle to readjust my thinking to be able to deliver the sermon that I have. And I'll never forget the anxiety I felt. And it really was such a struggle. And I thought to myself, how many times I've had that struggle and blamed it on something else? You know, maybe I was tired or maybe what da, 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 da. I said, wait, this is what it is. I'm struggling against uh, overwhelming mentality sitting in front of me. And I'm trying to bring a different message. Oh, you know what? Y'all like this? You got it. You got it. And if there's an opportunity for me in a different format, I'll take it. But I'm not doing this anymore. With great respect to those who can, mm -hmm. I just saw something different. Yep. 
Yep. And, you know, <laughs> in that context, uh, the devil is God's agent for when the will is for what you don't want. So if you're going to blame God, you can't blame God, but you blame the devil. Because you know? the devil is like God's assistant principal. <laughs> you know, yeah, who's going to be doing the discipline. <laughs> don't, you know, don't get me on my rant on that, because then it goes over to self-reliance, and nobody wants to hear about that. So, yeah. All right. So instead, we'll, we'll take another break, and then we will close with a prayer uh, about the will of God and all of that good unfolding for us. Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol here with Reverend Dr. Mil- Bill. Listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni in this amazing discussion we've been having. Yeah, we're talking about the will of God. And uh, one of the things that's the best part about being uh, a New Thought minister uh, is that I don't really have to worry about blasphemy. <laughs> In the traditional sense. So I don't have any objection to slightly or greatly rewriting anything, including the Bible. So uh, the Lord says there are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. And that's what the prayer is going to be. It's going to be peace, not disaster, and a future filled with hope. But instead of hope, as it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm going to change the word hope to good. And that's because hope sometimes can be perceived as something that we want to have happen, but don't necessarily believe is going to happen. So there's a certain level of optimism and uh, external control that when we're hopeful, we're also doubtful. So we're going to use the term good, peace, not disaster, and a future filled with good. And we'll do a prayer on that. So go ahead and close your eyes if you're comfortable doing so. Go within, turn away from the world around you, Be aware of the infinite power and presence that is everything, everyone, everywhere that is within. Take a deep breath. Let yourself be filled. Feel yourself completely filled. Everything that you need in this moment is right there. Now let it go. Surrender. Surrender that breath. Surrender control. Surrendering the thought that we already knew what it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to go. The next breath in. Breathe in peace, not disaster, and a future filled with good. 
regardless of what you thought that was, the way you've evaluated that that has to come about, let it go. And continue breathing, however's comfortable for you, as we open our awareness to the good that is all around us, to the possibilities that exist everywhere, to the understanding that when we see something in the world around us that we understand is not part of our experience now, we can look at it with envy, wanting to have what that person or that other situation has. We can look at it with jealousy of wanting them not to have it so we can. Or we can look at it as a guidepost to say, ah, this is goodness that is available in this world, and I choose to have that goodness for myself as well. And bring that uplift and that optimism and that enthusiasm for the good that's possible into our awareness. And in the same way that we are opening to that goodness by breathing it in, we let go of control, we let go of needing to know how it's going to work or what mechanism is going to be used to bring it about. That's none of our business. We are in cooperation with an infinite creative power that creates galaxies. That one divine power and presence that has created everything and continues to create. It has created each of us and continues to create. And since we have an awareness of this creative process, we are able to put it in motion. By speaking this word, by knowing that that divine presence is within, I can claim for each one of us, peace, not disaster, and a future filled with good. And good is different for each of us. Each of us understands and explains and describes goodness in our own way. Peace, not disaster, and a future filled with good. It's available. It's at hand right here and right now. As we open to the guidance about which steps are ours to take and take them, and that same insight and awareness tell, tells us what's ours to release, we bring ourselves more and more fully aligned into alignment with that good. And peace, not disaster, and a future filled with good is at hand right now. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for this good. I'm grateful for the way it unfolds. I'm grateful for the awareness of this creative process. And so with this deep feeling of thanks, I speak this word and I release it into that creative law that has created everything. And know it's now creating this. And so it is. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.